You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast helping water leaders to discover solutions and drive change. I'm the host, Travis Loop. This episode is part of a series, Funding to Fight Lead. There are perhaps 10 million lead service lines in the ground in the U.S., and it may cost $50 billion to remove them. The series explores financing lead service line replacement, technical assistance for under-resourced communities, and examples of successful approaches. This episode is about the role of state and local policy. State and local policies play a central role in financing of lead service line replacement. The ability of utilities to use public funds for work on private property is often the key challenge. As discussed in this episode with Tom Neltner of the Environmental Defense Fund, he cites Michigan, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania as examples of states that have adopted policies to facilitate financing of the work. Successful funding approaches at the local level are also highlighted in this episode by Kareem Adim of Newark Water and Sewer and Nancy Quirk of Green Bay Water. Before starting, I want to mention that Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet that is made possible by supporters. I'm going to take the next couple of minutes to discuss the sponsors of this series, LeadCopperRule.com, 120Water, and Blue Conduit, and then start the conversation. The lead and copper rule doesn't just create compliance challenges for water utilities, it also creates several public information flashpoints that put the reputations of utilities at risk. LeadCopperRule.com can help your utility stay ahead of the lead and copper rule for years to come. Their proven communication plans and products are ready in an instant, and their expert staff can guide your response to any lead information emergency. Be ready to protect the public's trust in your water from day one. Visit leadcopperrule.com today to set up your free initial consultation. Blue Conduit is a water analytics company that has developed a cutting-edge, predictive machine learning approach to locate lead service lines, empowering local officials and their engineering partners with the information to efficiently remove those pipes. The company's solutions enable utilities to focus their resources on digging where the lead is, accelerating the removal of this significant health concern and saving millions of dollars in avoided digs. Since 2016, the Blue Conduit team has worked with more than 100 municipalities and inventoried over 1.8 million service lines, which serve more than 4 million people. Visit BlueConduit.com. 120 Water is the only end-to-end solution for implementing the lead and copper rule revisions. They currently work with over 600 water systems, ranging from rural water communities that serve less than 3,000 people to major cities like Denver, Pittsburgh, and Newark. They also manage city and statewide drinking water programs, such as lead in schools and daycares. 120 Water is a digital water platform with cloud-based software, products such as water testing kits, lead validation kits, and remediation kits, and services that water systems and state agencies use to execute water quality programs. 
Learn more at 120water.com. You're in the water loop. Tom, I'm very excited to talk to you about this challenge of financing lead service line replacement. There's what, an estimated maybe 10 million lead lines out there? We're not really sure. Uh, those might cost like between $3,000 to $8,000 each to get out of the ground. Maybe this is a $50 billion project. I mean, these are rough, <laughs> rough numbers here. Uh, either way, it's going to take a lot of money. Uh, and there's a role at the federal level, the state level, the local level for, for this finance piece. Could you talk first about the state level and how state policies can impact uh, the financing of lead service line replacement? Yeah, so at you know, the federal government has done a big part in getting $15 billion to states and then to distribute to localities to support the work. So that money is a significant down payment on the work, but it's still $50 billion. So we're going to need to raise that money at the state and the local level. A key to that is to follow the lead of Michigan, um, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and others that make it explicit that utilities can use rates that consumers pay to fund the replacement of, of lead service lines on public and private property. Where they've done it, it removes one of the, one of the barriers that utilities often encounter by making it easier for them to access bonds because that question's resolved by making it easier to uh, get approvals. So the key on this is to make it clear that utilities have the authority to use rate money to pay for the replacement. And that means then that they can seek bonds and other financing to make it happen. Now, locals can do this on their own. They have the authority, but when a state supports it, it makes it much easier. In addition, states like Michigan have set a deadline to re replace the pipes. By 2038, they set a goal of eliminating all the lead pipes in the state of Michigan. Illinois set goals that were longer, um, with Chicago getting 70 years. New Jersey set a goal of 10 years. So these goals make it easier for lead pipe replacement to get prioritized and makes it easier and more compelling case when the locals want to get financing. There is a third way, and that is some states are innovative in how they leverage that new money that's coming in from the infrastructure, from the federal government in the form of grants to states to fund the state revolving loan program. And states can leverage that. They're on their own. They can use their good bond authority, their good rating, and leverage it to make even more money up front. The key in all of this is to get the money up front to the utilities so, they're, so they have the funds to do the work and to get these pipes out as fast as possible. Because ultimately these pipes are harming the community, but they're also one that's gonna increase the liabilities and the responsibilities for the water utility. And once we have them out, it's just so much easier in many ways for the water utility to function. Cool. Well, that's interesting. You mentioned several states that have really helped to facilitate this. Uh, are there challenges with, with in other states then that their policies make it a little more difficult to, to do these finance pieces? Yeah, there are 
problems in other states as they make decisions about how to prioritize projects, how to make sure disadvantaged communities get the technical support they need to be able to fill out the applications, but also to leverage the money that's coming in from the federal government through their own bond rating. So some states have um, see this program as sort of a, a government grant program. They don't see it as an innovative financing. When the states that I see most leverage the money and are most effective are where it's part of a broader infrastructure program, the New Jersey Infrastructure Bank or the Indiana Finance Authority would be examples. And what they do is they get money from all the federal government for infrastructure projects, and they make sure that they leverage it for the best benefit to the citizens. And that's, that's kind of innovation. What we see in other states is they take the money and their job is to administer it, to sort of the bare minimum, hmm. and not thinking about how they can really leverage it for the benefit of the water utilities in the state, but all the citizens ultimately. I want to I dive in. Uh, a, a little bit here to both the, 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 I guess, the positive and the negative approaches. Um, on, the, on this negative approach, how really then are local governments, utilities, municipalities hamstrung when it comes to financing lead service line replacement? When those states kind of do the bare minimum, as you said, what, what, what's, what's really the challenge for them? Yeah, so they, you know, they want to get started on this replacement. Um, and it's if they they need access to the funds, they need to be confident that the funds are coming so that they can begin a long-term program. This is not going to happen in one year. So we're going to need that money to go quickly and with confidence to help support it so they know that they can make the investment in hiring the crews and developing the procedures to get these pipes replaced. They also need that clear authority. They already have it but they often feel like they need it more clearly from the state that they can use rate money to replace pipes on private property. And that's been a long touchy issue. A lot of water utilities have felt that they don't have any responsibility for the park on private property. Yet the reality is homeowners don't see it that way. So a lot of projects struggle because the utility is asking the homeowner to pay the homeowner is not understanding why they're paying for a pipe that the water utility arranged for installation and made sure it was led years ago. They don't even think of the water, the service line is their property. They get it for plumbing, but not for the service line. So when they get asked to pay several thousand dollars, even if it's a loan over the years, they're balking. That's what they expect the utility to cover. So the key is that utility, the most effect, efficient way to use this money is to have the water utility pay for the entire cost of the replacement and just use rate money to do that and then use bond financing to support that rate money, to leverage that rate money so they have the money for a long-term program to replace these in an accelerated way. You know, we often think about, you know, Chicago wants 70 years to replace all the pipes. That's that's, that's going to take a long time, as you can imagine. So a good example is uh, New Jersey or Newark. Newark needed to replace the pipes. It was a long, a long issue as they finally resolved, we've got to remove our pipes. And then they got bonding support from the county who had a bond, better bond rating, which was a great city-county cooperation. 
and then they used that money to be able to make an investment. They they removed, I think it was thirty six thousand lead service lines in just three years. The rate that they were removing them was was stunning, and they did it by engaging the local community and building good jobs for people to do this work. So people from the neighborhoods replaced the pipes in the neighborhoods. And they did it because it's just a cruise working everywhere. They did it at a scale that made big impacts. Hmm. So we're, they're almost, I think they're now completely eliminated all their lead service lines. When we think in that time scale, we need utilities then to be able to think in terms of the financing to get that scale and we need, they need to be able to finance it. And the most likely way to finance it is with bonding, supported by the state and federal governments with that infrastructure funding, the bipartisan infrastructure law. Hmm. Uh, so so uh, New Jersey as a state has adopted some good policies and taken a good approach that's helped to facilitate this financing. Um, you mentioned a couple others. Could you... Could you go back to that and talk about a few of the other states that have really helped on the finance front with their policies or their partnership to, to speed this up? Yeah, so uh, some creative states. Michigan set a, a deadline of t- um, 20 years to replace the lead pipes, and when it, the clock started, I think, 2018. And they've been there with financing to be able to help communities replace those pipes. And the federal government supplemented where a utility needed to move faster. Benton Harbor would be a good example where they removed all their lead pipes because they had some problems. So Michigan is, has a comprehensive program that seems to be doing well. Hmm. Indiana Finance Authority is one that's been very creative about leveraging money, getting the money into the state and leveraging it to get work done now, not just not just stringing it out for for years. They're not as strong on the lead pipe replacement, but their work on getting infrastructure money to communities is a good example. New Jersey would be another one. We've seen some good things with Rhode Island. Um, Hmm. Again, it's a Rhode Island investment bank where they've been able to figure out how to get the money out, and they've been creative about the leveraging of resources. Other states are doing it as well, but... Uh, those are the ones that stick out to me. And as a Hoosier, uh, I'm, I'm proud of Indiana Finance Authority. I just wish they would help communities get those lead pipes out in addition to the infrastructure work. Sure. Uh, you mentioned the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, that $15 billion that's, that's there. That's an incredible infusion of cash for this project. Um could you just dive a little deeper on the role that states are going to have in getting those dollars out and how they can help, uh, you know, kind of with that process and, and really get this going on, on the lead pipe removal? Yeah, and the exciting part is it's more than just that $15 billion. The $15 billion is dedicated to lead service line replacement programs, and it's coming out over five years. So approximately $3 billion a year. About half of the money that gets distributed will be grants, so no loans. And then the remainder goes as loans. But supplementing that was $11.7 billion for general infrastructure work. And for most drinking water utilities, they have that work. I mean, that work consists of replacing old water mains that they know are leaking. 
So what they do is they replace these water mains and there's lead service lines attached to them and they can use the $15 billion. And so they thread the two sources together to be able to get the work done. Because the most effective time, the most cost-effective time to replace the lead pipes is when you're already coming down the street to replace the water main. And then you just get fully replace all the pipes on it. EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, has adopted a policy that says, and when you do that work, you can't do it halfway. Mm. You need to finish the job. You need to fully replace the pipe. So they're insisting on that full replacement. And because there's this $11.7 billion and the $15 billion, we can have a lot of, uh, there's a lot, a lot of money to leverage. But as you mentioned, Travis, it's not enough to do it on its own. We're going to need uh, utilities to take on the task and states to be able to provide additional financing and that ultimately means using some of that rate money to cover the cost. Sure, sure. Well, let's let's turn to that local that level then, uh, and and dive into some of these. Uh, you know, you've talked about the bonds and tapping into the in, you know infrastructure money and all that. Um, just talk generally, I guess, about the local level and how the policies they have can help or hinder financing of lead service line replacement. It's clear that. This is a public purpose. That preventing children from being exposed to lead is a public purpose and allowing the rate money to be used and giving the water utility the flexibility to use it makes a big difference. So there are ways that elected leadership can make this happen at a community level. My, one of my favorite examples is Cincinnati, um, also my hometown. Um, Cincinnati, the, the mayor showed some real... Great leadership there in supporting the water utility, Greater Cincinnati Water Works, into getting the pipes replaced. And one of the key steps is they got an ordinance that, re- that effectively required people to participate in the program. They also said, there's a public purpose in using rate money to replace these pipes. So we're going to, uh, we're going to re- say that public purpose and allow the rates. And that empowers the water utility to do more. And then they're inventive because the first plan was to do it with loans. So we're going to give a 10-year loan. And what happened is a lot of residents aren't willing to sign a 10-year loan, even at zero interest, because they don't have the available resources, um, especially when you're working in some of the oldest communities that where these pipes are located. So they said, we're just going to do it once. We're going to use one funding source, and we're not going to require the customers to pay. And that is key to getting making a difference, because if you if you're expecting co- um, residents and co- property owners to form sign a loan, it just increases the cost, mm. and it delays it. If they have their own contractor, what they've done is they figured out how to raise to reduce the cost. And in Cincinnati, the water utility dropped the cost to replace a line on private property from like fifty two hundred dollars down to $2,300 because of these efficiencies. Now those costs have come back up because uh, everything's been getting more expensive lately. Sure. But they've been able to drive the costs down, and that's really important. Make your money go longer. Hmm. Uh, a couple other uh, examples locally that you like. I, I wanted, I'm going to include these people. They'll be coming up next in this podcast. Uh, I'm a Newark 
Green Bay. Could you talk about what's happened in those communities and and why they were able to successfully tackle this finance piece? Yeah, in that state, uh, the governor, um, the Republican governor of Wisconsin, set up a program where they took the administrative money from the state revolving loan funds, so a fund, funds that they had some flexibility to do, and they uh, issued grants to municipalities to replace the, the pipes on private side. And by getting a grant, they avoided the whole rate issue. Nancy Quirk and the city of Green Bay took a real leadership role. They decided, we're going to get all these pipes out. They leveraged the money, and they kept seeking more money from the state. But because of that initial prompt by the state, that initial investment, they've now eliminated all of their lead pipes. They, she, Nancy was really effective in getting the mayor's cooperation, which was important. They also, because the mayor was involved, got the other building departments to work with them. And that made a difference as well. So it takes leadership on many different levels. But this is a good case where the state of Wisconsin made an early investment in communities across the state. And you'll see them from the largest to the smallest working to replace these lead pipes. And they prioritized it based on the disadvantaged communities, the ones where you know, finan the financing was, the affordability of water was already a challenge. So it, another good example would be of an early action that leveraged real work was the Massachusetts Water Resources Authority. Mm. So they're a water wholesaler in eastern Massachusetts. So it's the Boston area, greater Boston area. I think they serve 20 or 30 public water systems. And what they offered was a loan program, but a zero interest loan program, I think it was $100 million to help the utilities be able to get access to funds to be able to replace these pipes. And that made a big difference. Um, that sort of, that, that state level, that wholesaler investment just changes the whole dynamic. So instead of a utility struggling with where am I going to get the money? How am I going to get it done now? Or how do I get this out of an operating budget rather than a capital budget? They, they were able to figure out just how do we get this work done? How do we find out where the pipes are? How do we integrate it in our work? How do we get cooperation from rental property? And how do we make sure we have crews from the communities doing work in their communities? Hmm. Great. Well, Tom, I really appreciate this perspective and information. Uh, this finance puzzle it involves a lot of pieces, the federal, state, and local, uh, all having a role here. So thanks for shedding some light on, on the state and local side of things. You got it. Thanks, Travis. I appreciate all your work you do and covering this issue. Yeah. Kareem, thank you so much for coming on the podcast here. Uh, Newark has been one of the great success stories in getting lead service lines out of the ground and protecting the people in the community. Uh, really interested in how you all were able to pay for that work. It's not cheap. Um, so how did you put it together from a financial standpoint? From a financial standpoint, just having the political will. Um, mm the political will to, to, to get things done. Um, looking at the mayor, our, our county executive, um, initially we, we bonded out $75 million for a 15 year program um, in 2018. Uh, 
2019, we've ended up getting an additional $120 million. We didn't want to drag the program out any longer from the county. Um, backed by the county, $120 million bond. The county has AAA rating. We want to be very equitable uh, throughout our lead service replacement, and we made it free to the whole um, population of Newark residents and communities that we serve um, in our distribution system. Wow. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about the financial mechanisms you use, whether it's a grant or a loan or a bond or whatever. But that political will is really a key, a key ingredient there. Just everybody deciding, like, let's figure out how to pay for this and get it done. Um, what what role did the did the state have? It's interesting also that the county was involved. That's not always what happens around the country, so that's a unique kind of thing. But what role did state policy or state funding have in helping you guys to do this? Well, on the, on the state side, the, the state legislator were able to, to, to change the law to allow us to use public money on private property. Cities like Newark, we don't own the lead service line. It's owned by the homeowners. Um, and the governor actually signed that bill in 2018 after it was passed by our assembly and our Senate. And also the local finance board allowing the county to, you know, back us with the $120 million bond that we can that we can use. And looking at our state revolving loan fund, being able to run about $120 million of that money through our state revolving loan fund when we got back about $62 million in principal forgiveness. Mayor Baraka and our North Municipal Council, you know, the buy-in was huge. And having a free program allowed everyone in the city, not only did it create equitable, you know, a, an equitable replacement, right? It also allowed everybody, the homeowners and those that didn't own homes, um, to have their lead service line replaced because you lived in a place that um, we couldn't find the owner. You, the owner could have been an LLC, Mm. Or another LLC or some other financial <laughs> institution. Really, it doesn't benefit them to change the line or not. Um, and we've seen when we had a opt-in program, um, we made our program mandatory, the replacement. We've seen when we had an opt-in program. Those LLCs or those financial institutions that don't live in the city, they don't really have an interest in signing up. Sometimes it's even hard to track those folks down, right? Like uh, find find the people behind those and get even talk to them about this work. Uh, how many how many lead uh, lines did you guys get out of the ground? So we, we actually went to thirty four thousand properties that, that we checked around the city and the surrounding areas. We ended up replacing twenty three thousand eight hundred and something lead service lines, which included galvanized and brass pipes. And we, we actually uh, verified another 4,300 that didn't need replacement. Hmm. Wow, incredible. And so, and what period of time were you able to do this over? Like, you know, from, from get, starting to get them out till that last one came out of the ground. How long did that take? About 31 months. At the, at the height of the lead service line, you know, it, it, it's, it's strange, right? And uh, I got to take a step back. Prior to us having a mandatory replacement program, we were replacing about 10 to 11 lead service lines per day, right? Um, the first six months of our program, we had replaced 720, 730 lead service lines. Um, in the six-month period, that was a voluntary opt-in mm. program. 
but we made it a mandatory program and, and, it, and it was free to all. Um, in the first two weeks, now was September of 2019, we replaced a little over 2,000 lead service lines. So at wow. the height of construction, we had about 25 crews out. We replaced between 100 and 125 lead service lines per day. Wow, like 10 times the, 10 times the pace. How much of that work was able to be done by kind of local local uh, companies, local workers, and what what was the economic value, you know, benefit of that? So the economic value of that, you know, we did it of that hundred and ninety five million. I think it's one of our uh, finance people did some. I think about hundred and five million went back into the local economy. Um, we had about. 65 Newark residents that went through the union, the trade union as apprentices that came onto the program. And we had some direct hires. We had uh, created a MBE, WMBE uh, program for Newark residents where they became minority contractors, anywhere from uh, providing door knockers to flyers to doing actual construction work, placing uh, uh, lead service lines, internal plumbing. Um, providing some type of resource to the contractor that they may need, or, or just the local mom and pop businesses that were able to come to our MBE, WMBE meetings and get certified to bid on government contracts now and in the future. Mm. So we, we did see a robust economy um, infused dollars come back into our local economy by employing people. Um, late, from laborers on the job site to those mom and pop businesses that took a huge role in providing some type of resource. Um, it could have been a digital message board, uh, anything they had to be a part of this program. Yeah. And did I hear you right that it was like $195 million worth of work and you think $105 million of that really went back into into the local kind of economy? That Was that, was that those are the numbers? Yes. Woo, yes, we, 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 we estimated about 300 um, local residents were a part of this program. What advice would you have? You know, there's, there's an estimated 10 million lead service lines still in the ground across the United States. Uh, so all these communities are facing this. Um, what advice would you have from the financial side about how they should get started, what they should try to do? Um, Political will is huge. Try to build that. But, but yeah, what, what else would you say? First and foremost, I would say make sure you have the political will. Mm. The political will makes it a little easier. Um, get out communication, 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 communication. Then you need to put some, you know, make the program mandatory. Uh, make it free. No more excuses. No more excuses. We don't have excuses. There's federal money out there. And start meeting, meeting early with your state um revolving loan fund on how you can, you know, have a successful program. I mean, start meeting with them, you know, early before you even launch your program so you can know what's out there and, and, and ways to do it. But having a political will um, coming together, the, uh, the city, like our mayor, Baraka, and the municipal council, our county government, our county executive, Joe DiVincenzo, and the county commissioners, in the conjunction with the state and federal hmm. government, you know, just that collaboration and political will to not kick things down the road and get it done. Hmm. No more excuses. So even even challenge the status quo. 
I love it. I love it. So even even before the dollars, go talk to the people up and down that that government food chain uh, and get them get them involved, and you can find a way to make it to make it happen. Good stuff. Yeah, get them on board. Let them know what we're trying to do. We want the goal is to replace lead service lines, not to be held up by the bureaucratic red tape or the status quo. It's to replace lead service lines, provide um, remove um, the largest potential source potential source. Of lead leaching into drinking water, lead service stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Kareem. Nobody likes the orphan, but everybody wants to take the victory lap. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, uh, have you guys been fielding a lot of inquiries from other cities around the country? Like, hold on, how did you guys knock this out in thirty months and and do all this? And have you kind of shared your your secrets with them? Yes, we 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 filled a lot of in, inquiries not only from th- throughout our. Uh, 50 states here, but also in some of our neighborhood, neighboring countries or other countries around the world. There's, hmm. you know, New Jer- I mean, United States is not the only country in the world with a lead service line, but we've received calls from Germany, Canada, and, and, and Australia at times wow. around lead service line. Yeah. This was a highly used product in the uh, late 18th century, I mean, early 19th century um, into the mid 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kareem, thank you for your time. Thanks for shedding a little light on how you guys did this. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Waterloo. Nancy, thank you for joining from Green Bay. Uh, you know, you all have had tremendous success in getting lead service lines out of the ground. And I'd like to kind of hear how uh, you were able to do this from a financial perspective. How did you, how did you handle the funding for this work? Sure. Um, Well, first of all, we sat down with our management team and took a look at what we could accomplish and how fast we could do the lead service replacement program and what we needed, right? Um, In the state of Wisconsin, the Public Service Commission does the um, regulation for the financial part of um, public water utilities. And in that, they do not allow public utilities to pay for the private side of um, any of our customers. So in the cases of lead service replacement, we had a public side, which was from the main to basically the terrace that we were responsible for monetarily. And then uh, from the from the terrace into the home by the meter, and our meters are in our basements here in mm. Green Bay because of um, our our landscape and, th- and our weather here. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we don't want our services to freeze. Um, we, you know, that is the private side and the homeowner's responsible to pay for those. Okay. Um, when we first started looking at this, uh, we knew that uh, we needed to, you know, fund that public side. And so we did um, look at, uh, a, a rate increase with the Public Service Commission to get our funding done. I mean, it turned out to be about a 3% increase um, based on our lead service program. The private side, um, it, it happened that there was two things happening in that first year, and this was about 2016 for us. The Our, our local area had been getting a Lambo tax refund. We had been helping the Packers do an improvement um, in this county and they were they had finished that and there was some refund coming back. From that, the city 
asked us, you know, how many lead services we had and how much each one cost. And at that time we did our estimates, they allocated part of those funds, 300,000 actually, to the replacement of lead services. So our city government understood the health impact of these lead services and wanted to get that done. Um, also, our local or our state, uh, Wisconsin DNR, who's got primacy for EPA in the state of Wisconsin, made safe drinking water loan program funds available to water utilities to fund the private side. And it was, and if I may just excuse myself from saying utility, I, I'm going to correct myself. It was actually that went to the cities because the city is not under the Public Service Commission domain. Okay. So those funds we could apply as part of the city to get these principal forgiveness loans for the private side. So we had, you know, it depended on how many people or how many homes had lead services of whether we could fund it fully or not. But in our city, we were able to fund it fully. We had about 300 lead services on the private side that we needed to get rid of. So we were able to take those loans and and 100% reimburse our homeowners uh, for that. We had a three-way contract between us and the contractor and the homeowner, and we were able to directly pay the, the contractors for the work that they did without having to have any of the homeowners replace any of those or pay for any of those replacements. Hmm. We had um, a point. I was going to say, so you had to, I'll let you keep going, but you had to kind of get a little bit creative here uh, with, with the financing to work around some of those state policy restrictions, right? That's correct. We, we wanted to use more money for the actual replacements instead of the administration. So we set up contracts so that we didn't have to use like um, some of the federal requirements because it was going directly to a contractor and from the homeowner. So we, we, our attorneys set up this three-way contract that we could do that, um, and it, and it saved money and it helped us get more lead services replaced. Hmm. Now, one of the things that I wanted to point out in in how important that Lambo tax fund was was that the state drinking water loan programs could only fund a residence. We had some small businesses and others that had lead services. And so we were able to use the city's contribution of that 300000 towards replacing those services. So that really helped us to get all of the lead services out. Now, in addition, our city did pass an ordinance that required homeowners and businesses to replace a lead service if we gave them notice. So that was important for us to complete our project so that we could get all of the lead out of our city. Hmm. Wow. Has there been any uh, effort or movement in changing the state policy to help communities like yours in Wisconsin to, to handle this from the money side without having to go through some of these steps you did? Great question, Travis. <laughs> and I, I think I, I wanted to bring that up. So thanks for, for that. Um, we, we were, uh, one of our local legislators, Senator Coles, um, did a, Leading with Lead Act, and he got co-sponsors in the, the Wisconsin State Legislature to co-sponsor co this. Where we he he originally introduced it where utilities could pay 
for the private side of a lead service replacement. But through negotiations with the different parties, it was it ended up that we could pay for half. Hmm. So at least, you know, in our cases, we're seeing our private lead services about $48 to $4,900, somewhere in there in, as an average cost. So they we could fund up to say $2,400, $2,500 of it. And then the other part, we could put in low interest or no interest loans to our property owners over a time period to help um, them pay for the part if we needed to. In our case, we haven't had to do that yet because we were able to use the state funds the, the principal forgiveness funds from the state drinking water loan programs to use that for our replacements. But, you know, I think utilities now with the bipartisan infrastructure law and other things coming down, ARPA funds, um, cities can help utilities to replace these things. So, uh, you know, th those are rolling out right now. And for sure in the bipartisan infrastructure law, there was specific note of money going towards lead service replacements. So um, I would think that utilities could um, look into that for the full replacement. And I've heard that they can even do it for inventory of mm. the lead services. So I'm, I'm just excited that you know, those, those funds are available. And I've told people I'm really excited that finally we have money going directly to utilities to help with these issues because I will just tell you when we when we had that last service done um, on in October of 2020, the relief that I felt from getting all that lead out of our city was just immense, and it was it was such a great feeling that we had done this for our citizens to get all of our lead services out. I, I felt really proud of our whole utility for pitching in and doing what they did to do that. So I, I can imagine. I mean, it must be amazing an amazing relief to have that whole problem off the table. It's not something to worry about in your community. Uh, that, that's, that's incredible. What advice might you have for other utility leaders out there that are trying to put together the financial puzzle here? I know you just mentioned the infrastructure law, but yeah, just kind of how, what would you advise them to do? How, how should they go about this if they've got challenges? You know, one of the things that I thought, um, first of all, Commit to, to doing it, right? Get your local, your, your utility team together and decide how you can do it. But we reached out to our city different departments too because every service that had to be um, redone had to have a, a new meter connected and there was a plumbing permit required. Well, our inspection unit waived the fees for the, that plumbing permit for lead service replacements. So that helped reduce the cost. Our um, public works department helped us schedule streets that had large amounts of lead services, and we were able to replace those under a street contract, which saved money on, on our side and on the property owner's side because we could get a plumber in there when we were replacing it at the same time. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I tell people is, you know, sit down with a plan and just get started, right? Um, you 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 will have to probably make adjustments along the way, but just start and, and head down that path of your goal of replacing all the lead. Um, it just is amazing. Um, I, I just, I, I really encourage people to look outside the box. I mean, we even met with our mayor and our housing department because community development block grants, if you could work with the housing department, sometimes they can get you funds to help with some of the lower rent um, 
properties in the city and things, um, working with the, uh, apartment uh, groups and the property owner groups and the alder, alder people helped us um, just getting, getting a team together and reaching out and asking for help because sometimes people are willing to do that. And we found that in our case that a lot of people chipped in and, and worked as a team to get this done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nancy, uh, thank you for the information, the perspective, and congrats again on uh, being a lead-free community. Uh, but appreciate your time. Thank you. You bet, Travis. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. And thanks to the sponsors, LeadCopperRule.com, 120 Water, and Blue Conduit. For all of our content, please visit Waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.